Hello and welcome to Hillcrest To Go. I'm your host, John Parker. Today, Dr. Tom Goodman shares a message titled, Regardless Living. First, our scripture reading, followed by an important message from Dr. Tom Goodman. Today's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 18 through 25. And Jesus continued, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. God bless the reading of his word. If you want to be more joyful, if you want to be less anxious, then you need to live a regardless life. Now, what does the word regardless mean to you? If you were to say about somebody, he had difficult circumstances, but he persevered regardless, you would be saying that that person didn't let the circumstances dictate his mood or his actions. Jesus wants us to live a regardless life. Now, the pivotal phrase to understand this passage is a little two-word phrase, follow me. It doesn't show up just once, it shows up twice. It shows up once in verse 19, and then it shows up again in verse 22. In verse 19, uh, he says, follow me, right after he tells Peter how he's going to die. In verse 22, he says, follow me, right after he refuses to tell Peter how another apostle is going to die. And so Jesus expects you to follow him regardless of where he leads you and regardless of where he leads others. Those are the two points of today's message. You can find your sermon notes in your bulletin and write this first point down. Follow him regardless of where he leads you. This passage of scripture, John chapter 21, is one of several resurrection appearances. After Jesus was raised from the dead and before he ascended to the Father, there was a 40-day span. And we see throughout the Bible that uh, Jesus would appear suddenly and unexpectedly during those 40 days to speak to one or several of his apostles. John chapter 21 is one of those sudden and unexpected appearances. Now, we started the conversation that Jesus had with Simon Peter last week. But Jesus has more to say to Simon Peter. And so we see him saying in verse 18 and following, very truly I tell you, when you were younger you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you were old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not 
want to go. Now, at one level, you could take this as a proverb on aging. In our younger years, we have agency. We have choices about what to do with our energy and with our talents, with our time. And then the older we get, our opportunities narrow. And so doctors restrict our diet and our kids or the government restricts our driving and even our own bodies restrict what we used to be able to do and what we'd still like to be able to do. In that sense, then, we can understand Jesus to be saying that we need to follow him our entire lives through the freedom of youth and the restrictions of aging right to our own death. And, you know, sometimes these physical limitations come a lot sooner than old age. Um, in his book, Soul Keeping, John Ortberg wrote about his friend Dieter Zander. Uh, they both were once on staff together at the Willow Creek Community Church back when that church was at its zenith. It was at one time the largest church in America, and that made Dieter Zander the most high-profile worship leader in the country. Ortberg said that this man led with passion, he led with creativity, he led with energy, and then he suffered a stroke. He was in his early 40s when he suffered this stroke. Now, he survived, but he had to relearn even the most basic of things, like how to pronounce his own wife's name. His right arm didn't work. His voice didn't come at will, and so he could no longer be a worship leader. And he found employment in the back of a Trader Joe's, breaking down cardboard boxes and sorting bruised fruit for a local food bank. Ortberg uh, said that uh, once Dieter wrote to him a letter that referenced that bruised fruit that he sorted in his life. He wrote, it is good that I work there. I'm like that fruit. I'm imperfect. Inside, I'm the same person, the same sense of humor, the same thoughts, but my words betray me. What should take three minutes to say is an hour of frustration. People lose patience with me, but God hears me. My world is small and quiet and slow and simple. No stage, no performance, more real, good. It was about a year after his stroke that uh, Dieter's wife drove the two of them over to visit with the Ortbergs at their house. And at that time, Xander was using a small whiteboard to write what he wanted to communicate to other people. And after a brief visit on his whiteboard, he wrote this verse that we're looking at today. John chapter 21, verse 18. When you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then below that verse on the whiteboard, Dieter Zander wrote, good. So what we learn from John 21 is that we must follow Jesus regardless of the circumstances from the relative freedom of youth and to the restrictions of old age, right through the point of our own death. Because that's really the point of John 21. In John 21, verse 18, Jesus isn't telling Simon Peter how he is going to live when he is old, but how he is going to die. Now, that doesn't mean there is no application to how to live when we look at John 21, verse 18, but he's really telling us how Simon Peter is going to die. He says, you will stretch out your hands. Now, scholars tell us that in the first century Roman world, that became almost a proverbial shorthand for talking about crucifixion. 
in uh, crucifixion, you didn't carry the entire cross to the place of execution. You carried only the horizontal crossbeam. And the Roman soldiers would stretch out your hands, tie your hands down on that crossbeam. And then they would gird you with a rope and lead you along through the city streets like you were on a leash until you got to that place where you would be crucified. What am I saying? John chapter 21, verse 18, Jesus is telling Simon Peter that he is going to be crucified just as Jesus was crucified. Now, Jesus already predicted this. We saw this in our long study through the Gospel of John back when we were in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, at the Last Supper before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples this. Look at verses 33 through 36. I will be with you only a little longer. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Now, back in John chapter 13, there was no way that Jesus, uh, that, that Simon Peter could have understand what uh, Jesus was saying at this point. He couldn't imagine Jesus being crucified, let alone he himself being crucified. But now that he had, had seen, now he'd witnessed the brutal execution of Jesus on the cross, imagine you look back over John chapter 13 and said, Jesus said, I'm going to follow him into that kind of death too. And this is exactly what Jesus told him in John chapter 21. So in John chapter 21, Jesus was talking to him about how he would die when he was older, not how he would live when he was older. Now, I say that Jesus told him how he would die when he was older. How old was Simon Peter when Jesus had this conversation with him in John chapter 21? He was in his 30s, in his probably early 30s. How early should you start thinking about your own death? According to this passage, at least by the time you're in your 30s. There was a woman, uh, Bianca Bosker, she's a young woman in her 30s, who found value on reflecting on the subject of death. She wrote about this for the Atlantic Monthly. Uh, she saw an ad for a phone app that used as its pitch line for the ad a Buddhist Bhutanese saying, to be a truly happy person, one must contemplate death five times daily. So she got curious. She paid the 99 cents to download it and check it out. The only purpose of the app is to send you the same line, the same notification five times a day. Don't forget, you are going to die. It shows up randomly. It shows up unexpectedly, just like death. And she said that uh, she had this app on her phone for about five weeks, but, and it was annoying at first and alarming at first, and then she started noticing some changes. She said, for example, one time she was nervous before giving a public speech, and her phone pinged, and she looked down at the screen, and the notification said, don't forget, you're going to die. And she thought, what's a little public speaking next to the terrifying finality of my inevitable demise? Or she was at a friend's wedding. But she was worried and distracted and fretting over a work deadline. And her phone pinged and she looked down and saw on her screen that line, don't forget, you're going to die. And she decided for a moment to forget about work and enjoy the present moment. Often she was uh, interrupted by these notifications when she was randomly scrolling through social media. And it was a reminder to her that she needed to be doing something more significant with her life. You know the name of the app she was downloading and, and looking at? It was called We Croak. How's that, that for an appropriate name? Now, the last thing that John told Simon Peter in the Gospel of John was, don't forget, you're going to die. But note this, it was the risen Christ 
Who told him this? Jesus had already gone through the experience of death, and he was standing before Simon Peter victoriously alive when he told him, you're going to face the same thing I'm going to face. Do you think that made all the difference? You see, this is the big difference between every other wisdom teacher in the world and the wisdom from the lips of Jesus Christ. Every other wisdom teacher says that you and I will gain wisdom by contemplating death. Jesus says you will gain wisdom by contemplating eternity. Simon Peter knew that he was going to face a bitter death, but he also knew that he would be raised to forever life with a Lord who loved him. The risen Christ was standing before him telling him to think about his death and to think about the eternity that he would face beyond it. Now what the risen Christ said to Simon Peter here stayed with him throughout his life. We know this because he references it in his last letter to us, 2 Peter. In 2 Peter, uh, here's what he wrote in chapter 1, starting in verse 12. He's been talking to the, to, to the people about, or he's been writing to the people about spiritual growth, about the things that they need to know about growing in Christ. And he says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you already know them and you're firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Note this, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. You can tell that he senses that what Jesus had told him earlier was about to come to pass. He was in his 60s at this point just before he was executed by the emperor Nero by crucifixion. He was in his 60s as he wrote this letter. So for the last 30 years of his life, he lived with this reality that he was going to die the way Jesus died on the cross. He faced all of his hardships. He endured all of his persecutions. He made all of his decisions based upon that reality. You know, it's interesting how the book of John presents the prediction of Simon Peter's crucifixion. Look at verse 19. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Notice what verse 19 says was the way that Peter would glorify God. When, when the apostle John talked about the way Simon Peter would glorify God, did he talk about how many churches he planted? How many people listened to his sermons? How many people bought his books? No. He said he would glorify God by the way he died. Now, that doesn't mean that Simon Peter wasn't busy glorifying God with the way he lived, but this focus was on the importance of glorifying God by the way he died. You know, I, I, I sometimes get a chance to read the stories of aspiring musicians, aspiring artists, aspiring athletes who say that they want to glorify God, but here's typically what they mean. They want to be amazingly successful, and then in their interviews or their acceptance speeches, they'll glorify God in the process. Now, that's not, it's not necessarily wrong to want that or pray for that, but we just need to understand that our goal is to glorify God in success or in failure, in happiness or in heartbreak. All of it should be a stage on which we make much of God. Simon Peter glorified God with his life. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you read the book of Acts and you see him glorifying God with his life. You read the two letters that Peter wrote, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and you see a man who's glorifying God with his life. 
But as he approached the end of his life, he wanted to glorify God in the way he died as well. As people looked at how he trusted in God, how he found his, uh, his, his, his happiness in God, even as he faced a brutal death, that too would glorify God. You and I are being called on by Jesus to live a regardless life. We've got to commit to follow Jesus and glorify God regardless of being in the freedom of youth or the restrictions of old age, regardless of being married or single or widowed, regardless of being employed or unemployed or retired, regardless of financially struggling or being financially comfortable, regardless of being healthy or in chronic pain or facing a terminal illness. We should be regardless of all of that in our singular focus on where Jesus tells us to follow him. We've sung the line in our favorite hymn for years and years, for some of us for decades. It's time we lived it. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So we are told in this passage that we are to live a regardless life, regardless of where he leads us. Jesus says, follow me. But after he says, follow me, in verse 19, he has to say it again in verse 22. In verse 19, he says, follow me, after he tells Peter how he is going to die. In verse 22, he says, follow me, after he refuses to tell Peter how another apostle is going to die. What can we learn from this? Not only must we follow him regardless of where he leads us, but write this down, follow him regardless of where he leads others. Immediately after Jesus told Peter about his future, Peter pointed to John and said, Lord, what about him? Now, uh, I say it was John that Peter pointed to, even though John's name doesn't show up at all in this passage. Uh, one of the things we've looked at as we've gone through this long study of the Gospel of John, especially the last six chapters, is that John never mentions himself by name. He only refers to himself indirectly in this sort of stunned and amazed way he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was stunned and amazed that Jesus would actually love him. And so he, he, he referred to himself indirectly. It was almost as if he wanted to make clear that he was just the author of the story. He wasn't the subject of the story. Jesus was the subject of the story. And so he even took himself out by name and referred to himself indirectly. So it was John's future that Peter wanted to know. He said, Lord, now that you've told me what's in my future, what about his future? And Jesus said, look at verse 22, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, I imagine that uh, some Christians who lived in the first century world uh, surely must have started thinking that Jesus was going to return before John died because he lived such a long life. He was unique among the apostles in that way. John went into old age watching each one of his spiritual brothers face persecution and death, one by one. It started with his own earthly brother, who was also an apostle, James. We read in the Acts of the Apostles how Herod had James arrested, and then he had him executed. And so John and James, earthly brothers and then spiritual brothers because they were called by Jesus. Jesus liked to refer to them as the sons of thunder. And then... In their young years, John was severed by his other son of thunder, James. But that was just the beginning. One by one by one across the decades, the other apostles were killed until John was the last eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection. 
John was exiled on the island of Patmos for a time as an old man. There he wrote the book of Revelation. And uh, we believe that after his exile on the prison island of Patmos, he was released. He wasn't executed there. He was released. He was allowed to go back to his hometown, his home church in Ephesus. And there he died in his peace as a man in his late 80s or early 90s, unlike any of the other apostles. And as I said, it's interesting that in John 21, we read this explicit reference to the fact that there were some people who started developing this rumor, this assumption. The older John got, they assumed, well, Jesus did say, maybe he wants to have John hang around until he returns again. So maybe Jesus is going to come before John finally dies. And so John makes it clear in here, that's not what Jesus said. John makes it clear that Jesus said, if I want him to stay around until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. What is that to you? Jesus has to ask that question to us all the time, doesn't he? Because he sees us all the time comparing ourselves to other people. It is in our nature. We crave to know how we stack up in comparison to other people. That craving has always been with us, but these days it has been supercharged and it has been monetized by social media. You remember it was a year ago in the Wall Street Journal that they did this deep dive, this in-depth report about how Facebook executives, starting with Mark Zuckerberg, but other Facebook executives as well, just as they were trying to extend their product, especially Instagram, down into the younger teen years and even into the lives of children, executives knew how harmful their product was, at least the way they had currently structured it, how harmful their product was for the self-image, especially of that age. In the Wall Street Journal, they'd gotten a hold of these slides that had been presented by researchers to Facebook executives themselves. One slide read, 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. Another slide said, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Another slide said teens blame Instagram for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. One 17-year-old that the Wall Street Journal uh, reported on said she estimates half the girls in her grade struggle with body image concerns tied to Instagram. She said, every time I feel good about myself, I go over to Instagram and then it all goes away. Someone has said that comparison is the thief of joy. And based upon this internal research given to the executives themselves of Instagram and Facebook, that's surely true. But you can get out of your teen years and you can strip all social media apps off your phone and will the urge to compare yourself with others go away? No, it won't. Because it's our very nature to want to compare our appearance to others, to compare our vacations to others, to compare our possessions to others, to compare the success of our kids to others. And Jesus has to say, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus has a life for you to live that he has not given anyone else to live. You need to focus on that, zero in on that, and follow him toward where he has called on you to go. You may have never heard of a little book called The Imitation of Christ, but it has been read by more people and it has been translated into more languages than any other book other than the Bible. It was written back in the 1400s by a Dutch Catholic monk named Thomas uh, Kempis. 
it's written as if Christ himself is giving this advice to the people who are reading the book. And all the chapters are very short. One chapter is entitled, Of Avoiding Curiosity About Other People's Lives. And Kempis imagines Jesus saying to us, and, and I'm reading from the recent translation done by William Creasy, My friend, do not be inquisitive, nor burden yourself with useless things. What is this or that affair to you? Your duty is to follow me. What does it matter to you whether this person is so-and-so or whether that one says such-and-such? You will not have to answer for others, but you will have to answer for yourself. So why get involved? Look, I know everyone. I see everything that is done under the sun. I know how it is with each and every person, what he thinks, what he wants, and what he has set his sights upon. So everything should be left to me. As for you, keep yourself in good peace. We keep ourselves in good peace as we follow Jesus regardless of what's happening to us and regardless of what's happening to others. Regardless of the advantages other people get, regardless of the opportunities other people find, regardless of the talents that other people have, regardless of the success that other people enjoy, what is that to you? Jesus says, you follow me. They are responsible to the Lord for what they do with the talents and opportunities he gives them. You are responsible for what you do with the talents and opportunities that Jesus gives you. So Jesus says to Simon Peter in this passage, follow me. He has to say it twice. He says it in verse 19. He says it in verse 22. In verse 19, he says it right after he tells Simon Peter how he is going to die. In verse 22, he says it right after he refuses to tell Simon Peter how another apostle is going to die. I wonder, of these two things, which is harder for you? Is it harder to disregard your difficult circumstances or is it harder to disregard the pleasant circumstances of somebody else? Now, every one of us, because we're individuals, will be able to answer that question in a different way, but I think all of us can agree with this. When we are facing difficult circumstances and then we start comparing ourselves to the good circumstances other people are going through, it makes things so much worse, doesn't it? When we're in chronic pain and we start wondering why everybody around us seems to be living a pain-free life, it makes us more resentful of our situation, not less. When our kids disappoint us and we notice how successful other parents' kids seem to be, it makes us more miserable, not less. When we're dealing with frustrations and setbacks on our own jobs and we compare ourselves to our peers, it makes us hate our situation more, not less. If you want to be more joyful and less anxious, then you've got to trust completely that Jesus knows what he's doing with you. Now, isn't this a perfect way to end our long study through the Gospel of John? Those of you who've been with us through the whole thing, it's been a year and a half since we've been studying these chapters in the Gospel of John with a few interruptions from time to time for other things. A year and a half. And most of what we have read in the Gospel of John has to do with how to enter into a relationship with Jesus, how to find him. But then verse 21, or chapter 21, is specifically about how to follow him once you have found him. And Jesus tells us that you need to follow him regardless of the circumstances you face or regardless of what you see other people dealing with. Let's ask Jesus for help in this process. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we confess 
that we lose our way. Some of us don't just confess that generally, acknowledging that we're imperfect and we lose our way. Some of us today, we confess that we have lost our way. We haven't kept our eyes on you when our only focus is on our poor circumstances or another person's happy circumstances. Forgive us and restore us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This concludes our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next time as Dr. Goodman shares a sermon titled Worship and Service. I'm your host, John Parker, and this has been Hillcrest to Go. For more information, please contact us at hillcrest.church.